Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. What's going on, traders? How we doing out there? Yes, yes. I know that you guys might be excited like I am. We're going to get into DMYI right behind me. Ion Q, quantum computing. I mean, tired of getting left behind on winning trades? Join Benzinga's free masterclass on July 24th to learn how to spot breakout trades before they skyrocket. Featuring live interactive lessons on how to trade meme stocks, read charts, identify trends, and so much more. To register for free, go to events.benzinga.com. We're talking some advanced stuff here today. Definitely. We'll get into some headlines. I saw some CCIV news out there. So definitely stay tuned, guys. Smash the like button and welcome to the SPACs attack. Tired of getting left behind on winning trades? Join Benzinga's free masterclass on July 24th to learn how to spot breakout trades before they skyrocket. Featuring live interactive lessons on how to trade meme stocks, read charts, identify trends, and so much more. To register for free, go to events.benzinga.com. What's going on, my SPACs fans? Definitely, definitely. You guys know where you guys are at. Benzinga, hit the like button. Let's hit the subscribe if you're not already subscribed. And let's go ahead and bring on my man, Chris Ketchy. What's going on, brother? Yeah, I mean, if you're not subscribed, I guess the big question is, why not? Because Benzinga YouTube is the place to be. We got content running all day long, including SPACs Attack. I'm super excited, man. Uh, we're going to get into a great interviews. We, we got to get into there. Revenue projections. Crew Cut already giving us questions. That's <laughs> yeah, what we I already got. See. We already My got man. questions flowing. We got comments flowing. You know about Ion Q first mover. Um, you know a trillion dollar in industry. I mean, yeah, this thing is massive, guys. Uh, we're super excited for that interview today. Um, not a lot going on out there, Mitch, for uh, headlines and no deals announced today. But uh, I, I do have some headlines we can get into before we take a look at CCIV and some of those other names on the watch list. What do you think? Well, like always, man, go ahead. Take me back, Chris. All right. As I said, yeah, not a ton to get to for headlines. But up first, we have Hyzon Motors, HYZN recently despacked uh, a leader in global uh, in hydrogen fuel cell powered commercial vehicles they announced a new onboard hydrogen storage system um so again hyzon's made some uh, news recently really powering that hydrogen platform that they have developed um, lowering the cost for commercial vehicles using hydrogen power so uh, continues to be on watch list here hyzn in our deal yesterday, XPDI shares ended the day up 1.3%. Um, you know, again, nice to see some of these deals getting at least a 1% jump on that first day. Um, and then lots of, uh, you know, calendar items to mention. Yesterday, among the mergers that were approved, we had THCB, uh, which will trade as MVSTIM long shares there. VCVC approved will trade as REE. And CMLF merger approved will trade as SMFR. We also got some new vote dates set. So our August calendar starting to fill in nicely. August, we're going to have lots of deals. And also, as I mentioned yesterday, we're going to have lots of DSPACs reporting quarterly earnings. So August could be a big month for, for SPACs out there. Uh, merger vote date set, we have CFAC for August 12th. Uh, SAII, also August 12th. And Rocket Lab with VACQ on August 20th. Um, Rocket Lab had a nice tweet out yesterday thanking a uh, NASA administrator uh, for stopping by the Rocket Lab headquarters in Long Beach, saying, we are so excited to launch the capstone mission to the moon for NASA later this year. So, you know, one of the big things for investors this year, you know, is... Uh, you know, finding stocks that can go to the moon, finding cryptocurrencies that can go to the moon. Here you have Rocket Lab, VACQ right now, a company that is literally going to the moon later this year as part of a deal with NASA. So definitely keep an eye out on that one. Um, you know, I, I love the space story there. Uh, and they will have that merger vote in August. And then... Uh, 
Uh, we'll get to CCIV here after headlines, but we also had a rumor announced the other day. DGNS, so this is Dragonier Growth Opportunities Corp. 2. They are rumored to be bringing Cvent public. This is an event management company. Uh, that deal reported by the Wall Street Journal on that rumor. The, the thing I want to dive into is that a report out from Bloomberg now says that Zoom, Zoom Video Communications, is in talks to acquire 10% of Cvent as part of the pipe financing. Now, we've seen lots of publicly traded companies, like including Palantir, invest in the pipes of these SPAC deals. This is the first time, though, I've seen Zoom pop up, and a 10% stake is a pretty sizable move. Um, so Cvent went private in uh, 2016 for $1.65 billion, now valued at around $5 billion. They already have integration with Zoom. They list Zoom on their website saying that you can uh, use both companies to uh, you know, manage your events uh, with virtual meeting and webinars managed by the companies. So Cvent focused 100% on live in-person events prior to the pandemic. But then they, uh, you know, Smart uh, made the shift to uh, virtual events as well. So virtual event revenue, $100 million out of their $500 million annual total, according to Bloomberg. Uh, Zoom pushing further into live events. They announced Zoom events yesterday, um, you know, to host and manage virtual events. So I really like this move here. If this deal goes through and Zoom gets a piece of the company, I think Cvent could be one to watch. You know, let's face it. As we move forward, um, you know, we're going to see hybrid. We're going to see some live events and also virtual events. So I think Cvent is one of those companies along. Um, you know, with Zoom, that could definitely further the growth in that industry. That's what I've got for headlines. Let's go ahead, Mitch. Let's dive in to CCIV. I know, uh, you know, people want to talk about that one. So the news out today uh, was that 97% of the votes that were cast uh, were in favor of approving the business combination, but they did not get enough votes yet to push the deal through. So it looks like they are holding a special meeting um, on Friday. Is that what you're seeing out there as well? Yes, that's exactly what we got. And so there was also a meeting today at 1130. So in just about uh, 22 minutes, they're going to have a meeting. So definitely uh, stay tuned for that. I know the CEO and different uh, kind of members are meeting up on that right now. And I can tell you right now, CCIV is getting crushed crushed right now guys it just started heading down I, I had to even tell chris in the middle of that um yeah it just started taking a, a really hard downturn i think this is exactly around the time that the news came out um so really what this to me meant was and i had the question even on twitter this morning i was wondering did they struggle to get votes yeah so here here's a couple issues i see with this one mitch and, and you you had that number out right that 97 percent of the votes that were cast were in favor the problem mm -hmm. is they're not getting enough people voting. Mm -hmm. So unlike some of these other SPACs, I mean, remember, CCIV was one of the largest SPACs out there, right? With over a billion dollars, you have over 150 million shares, a lot of shareholders that need to vote because they need 50% to pass this through. And unfortunately, they're not getting the vote. The other thing is that with these merger votes, if you're a shareholder before a certain date, even if you sell your shares, you're still allowed to vote. So mm -hmm. a lot of people in the past two weeks, right, Mitch, have probably, you know, some people have sold out of CCIV, right? I saw a lot of people flipping from CCIV to G uh, GGPI, the Polestar rumor. So those people, even though they sold their shares, they're still considered shareholders by the vote uh, date. And I don't think they're going to vote. I mean, they don't own the shares anymore, right? So they they don't care if they vote or not. So this one this one could see some pressure because they they might have to extend this vote deadline because um, it looks like just not enough people voting. Hey, we'll definitely see it on that, but definitely uh, it, it took a hit there right now. Um, we'll see around eleven thirty. See how this rebounds. See if they go ahead and kind of 
boost up the investors' confidence in that meeting. We'll see what happens. I mean, honestly, what it seemed to me is that there was one perspective of that vote that wasn't being voted through. And so that's why they're holding that special meeting. They're pushing it back. They're going to go ahead and probably talk about this at that 1130. I'm going to probably check it out after we're down here on SPAC's attack, and then we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get something out on that. But let's go ahead, Chris. Let's, let's get out of this. Let's get out of CCIV Motors, out of the lucid dream. Um, let's let's get back to some reality and maybe uh, a, a little bit of looking forward, right? You know, one of the things that I've always loved to do is look at stories, 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 stories. And one of the things that I always look at is what can come next, because what could come next is usually what we're going to go ahead as investors and look forward to so that we can go ahead and be in front of trends, not behind them, not lagging. And so let's go ahead. Let's get into our interview today, Chris, where we go ahead and like, like always guys, we want to unlock some specs. So let's go ahead and do just that. All right, guys. Yeah. Super excited for today's interview. We already had Niccolo DeMasi on the, the CEO of DMY Technology to share a little bit on this deal. But now we get the other side of the story. Joining us on SPACs Attack today, we have Peter Chapman. He's the CEO of IonQ, that company going public with DMY Technology Group 3. That ticker is DMYI. Peter, welcome to SPACs Attack. Oh, thank you. Ple uh, pleasure to be here today. Of course, like always, welcome to the show. Um, I, I, like I said before, I'm definitely calling this more of a generational play. The reason why I call that is that at the end of the day, I always try to stay in front of the trends. I think if any trend we're moving towards is, I mean, I still remember the days when I used to use the dial up. So I think we're definitely moved forward from that. So looking forward to hearing this interview and I'm going to let Chris ask some questions and I'll be back with some of my own. Sounds good. Perfect. So, you know, Peter, as I said, we had Niccolo DeMasi on previously. He talked about this deal. Now we have you on to share the flip side here. So we asked him, of course, you know, why did he partner with IonQ? So the flip side of that is why did IonQ decide to go public via SPAC and what maybe drew you into DMY Technology Group? Well, let me address the first one. Um, DMY was because we were looking for a partner who came out of the technology sector, right? There's, you know, there's lots of, um, you know, lots of people are doing SPACs in many different areas. And, but we wanted somebody that actually had a technical background. So Niccolo has a degree in physics and, you know, that's a, that's pretty close to what we're doing. And Harry, um, you know, between Harry and Niccolo, they have decades of, of tech experience. So uh, quantum, you know, building quantum computers is, is, you know, technically very challenging. So we needed partners who could understand what it is we're doing. Um, and then in terms of why us, you know, do this now? Um, well, there's a, there's a number of reasons. One is building, you know, new generations of quantum computers requires, frankly, just quite a bit of money. And, so the question is, do you do it via SPAC or you do it through private rounds? Um, we decided that this made more sense for us just to get it one and done, be done with kind of the raising money for the next several years. Um, and rather than go through probably what would have been multiple rounds. Um, it also gives us an opportunity. We compete against kind of some of the world's largest countries and, and tech companies and going public is kind of as you know, when you're trying to hire um, the best of the best, kind of options are one thing. People don't know really how to value those things, but our issues, they do. So, you know, it, it gives us an advantage in hiring as well. Perfect. So, you know, one of the things that jumps out, you know, from the presentation on IonQ is there's some some big names invested in this company. I mean, we, we've got Google, Amazon, Samsung, Lockheed Martin, Hewlett Packard, Airbus. I mean, what kind of validation is that for your company to get these large companies to really buy into the growth of quantum computing down the road? Um, well, I, th I think it, it, you know, for every one of these companies, they're clearly believers in, in quantum. Um, 
you know, each one of these companies either has a need directly for a quantum computer or believes that this is going to be the future of the computer industry. So, um, you know, now we know that not only the world's largest countries are competing to be the leader in quantum, but the largest tech companies as well. So, as you say, Microsoft, uh, Amazon, Google, uh, IBM, you know, these are um, both partners and investors in IQ. So that's a pretty good indicator that they're, they think we have something here. Awesome. So, you know, you have a mission statement out to build the world's best quantum computers to solve the world's most complex problems, transforming business, society, and the planet for the better. Can you break down to viewers, you know, what exactly that means and who IonQ really is? Yeah. So, um, you know, we kind of think of our today's computers as being all powerful. Um, you know, we, we've gotten used to these kind of laptops and, and computers where it's kind of, to be honest, it's hard to get excited about next year's processor because it's pretty damn good now. But there's, there's um, you know, there's a set of business problems and, and grand challenges that today's computers just will never, ever be able to solve. And so we need a, another kind of computing device to be able to solve these. And these are some of the most important things for humanity. Um, and so that's really what quantum computers are all about, is a new kind of computing device that would unlock this potential. And in a kind of, you know, in the last 50 years, classical computing has driven, you know, the stock market and all of our lives. Quantum is likely to drive it for the next 50 years. Um, you know, it's, it's a bunch of, uh, a quantum computer can unlock kind of how mo mother nature works that we can't really peer into with today's classical computers. So I'll give you a, a fairly simple example of this is photosynthesis. Um, we can't model that today in a um, classical computer, but it is believed with 90 good enough uh, qubits that we could model what plants do and how they convert sunlight into energy. Plants know how to convert that energy at about a 95% efficiency rating but today's best solar cells can only do it in the 20 to 23% range. So if you could model it and kind of unlock those secrets, maybe you could build a better solar panel that suddenly would be, you know, so much more efficient. This is just like one example out of literally thousands, if not millions of applications where you want to understand kind of how the chemistry works, um, you know, for fertilizer production or, um, cancer or, you know, material science, all those things need a quantum computer to be able to do the simulation so we can know how to actually reverse engineer what Mother Nature actually does. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a fascinating, you know, uh, idea right there. And, you know, as you said, thousands, if not millions uh, of possibilities with quantum computing, you know, so IonQ is the only um, or will be the only public peer play quantum opportunity, according to the presentation. Also, the only one that's available with Amazon and Microsoft. Can you talk a little bit about the peer play um, and how maybe uh, differ from some competitors out there? Um, and we just added Google in the last uh, couple of weeks as well. So the only company now on three different um, cloud uh, platforms. So... Um, you know, INQ is unique in that its um, hardware is available on the cloud from the three largest cloud players. Uh, it's also unique in that um, all the various quantum tools, the only place where it all runs is all is just INQ. So whether or not you use a Google's tools or IBM's or uh, Microsoft's or Amazon's, uh, you can use any of those tools and it all runs on top of our hardware. And I, I think, you know, the reason that um, we have kind of, you know, what most people would consider our kind of competition, investing in the company, partnering with us, making sure their software works with us, is all as an indication, and only us, is only an indication of kind of where we are in the quantum ecosystem. We're that far ahead. Awesome. So, you know, in the presentation, we kind of have the, the growth plan of IonQ broken down into three phases. So the company in phase one right now, can you just walk us through a little bit of the three phases in the timeline for IonQ here? Yeah, absolutely. So 
this is actually um, generally, I think what most people think is the three maturity phases for quantum. We're in the first phase today. It's called the, you know, for the technical, it's the NISC era. It's all about these early quantum computers, which are very noisy. And so um, the, the amount of noise you have in the quantum computer then determines how big a program you can run. The smaller the noise, the bigger the program you can run. So what we need to get to is to run to much bigger programs so we can simulate things like photosynthesis. And so what's limiting you is the number of qubits and also this noise. This It's called, um, uh, you know, uh, fidelity. And so INQ has the best fidelity in the business. And that allows us to run the largest kind of quantum programs. So in first phase, INQ is pretty handily winning in that first phase. The next phase is about how do you correct the er the this noise, this error. And then you do that with error correction. It's the same error correction that we're using right now over the internet, is it turns out that as you send information over the internet, there's a little bit of noise that comes in over the line. And so how do you correct for that? And so we use error correction. So um, quantum computers are gonna do error correction as well. And INQ um, is the only company that has now shown error correction working. And we've done it with a very, very low overhead of about 13 physical qubits, meaning you, you take 13 of these qubits which are used for computation and you, you kind of uh, put them together to get to a better qubit uh, through error correction. So to be able to get to bigger quantum programs, you need to be able to fix the error, which means you need to go to error correction. And so we're leading now in phase two as well. And then the, the and in phase two, we kind of expect that um, quantum computers will be able to do things that take on the world's largest supercomputers or the cloud itself uh, for certain applications. And then phase three is the holy grail of quantum. This is all about, um, it's called fault tolerant, you know, quantum computers. This is now having a quantum computer big enough that you can do things that a classical computers can only hope, you know, dream about. So this is, you know, the kinds of applications like RSA, breaking RSA. If I was to do that on a classical computer, they, they say that it would take 300 trillion years to break just one, the, the encryption of just one email. But at this phase, you should be able to have a quantum computer that could break, you know, the encryption of one email in, in a fraction of a second. And that's the difference in power. 300 trillion years worth the largest supercomputers, fraction of a second with one of these quantum computers. Awesome, yeah, thanks for breaking down that timeline, those phases for us. Saw a lot of questions in the chat as well, you know, really talking about the, the different years here. Um, so earlier this month, we saw Benchmark initiate coverage on DMYI with a price target of $18. We, we don't always get, you know, this analyst coverage prior to the DSPAC process. Can you talk a little bit about this? Are more analysts expected to cover the company after the merger? Have you gotten, you know, interest from analysts out there? Um, yes, this is, um, you know, this is a, um, you know, a, a stock and a story that everyone's really interested in. And so, um, you know, I think um, both, you know, if you looked at the interest in our uh, pipe raise, it was phenomenal. And if you look, if we look at the interest by analysts, um, you know, they're just really very interested to try to understand kind of the company and what the technology is and, and all the rest. So probably more so than, you know, your your average, you know, kind of scooter company or something. Um, people are, they, they really want to dig in and really try to understand this. Perfect. So you mentioned uh, a little bit before, um, you know, one of the big news items since this deal was announced was the addition on the Google Cloud Marketplace. Can you just talk a little bit about, you know, that expansion with Google and how, you know, that's great positive news since the SPAC uh, deal was announced? Yeah. So when we did the, um, you know, the original announcement, we had only Amazon and uh, Microsoft and since then, we've added Google, and we also added um, software support for IBM's uh, toolkit. And so, um, what that really means is now, no matter which you know software uh, toolset you use to do your quantum programming, it now all runs on INQ. 
And so, um, and you know, today, you know, it really doesn't matter. Everyone, everyone has an account at one of the big three cloud vendors. And so it also means for us um, and for customers, it's easy to, for, for a customer to get access to our quantum computers. As you likely know, to open up an account as a new third-party vendor often takes months with, with companies to become an approved vendor. Well, now with the cloud, they already have an existing relationship with one of these three you know, uh, tech giants. And so now uh, you can use that existing account and very quickly get access to our quantum computers. So that's very exciting. And then we also got news recently that IonQ teamed up with SoftBank um, to expand quantum computing access globally. Can you talk a little bit about this partnership with SoftBank and how it could you know, really help the company with that global expansion in the future? Yeah, um, so the SoftBank partnership um, will help us in, you know, the Japanese and, and Asian markets. This is, um, you know, for some markets, you really need a local partner. Um, my Japanese just is not as good as it, as it used to be. So um, we were looking for a partner that, uh, you know, could help open that market and SoftBank made a lot of, a lot of sense for us. So they've taken a position in the company and, you know, together we will work on uh, bringing INQ quantum computers into Japan and in other areas as well. Awesome. So, you know, I've mentioned, you know, uh, some talk about competition. You know, there are some competitors in the, the quantum computing space. I know, you know, your technology ahead. You, you've got all the stats in the presentation. You know, do you see quantum computing as a, a winner-takes-all market? Is there room for multiple players? How will the, the competition kind of shake out in this, uh, you know, growth market going forward? Um, you know, it's certainly in classical computing, there's obviously been, you know, multiple players that, that uh, whether it be NVIDIA or Intel or AMD, there's kind of been space or room, if you will, for multiple players. Um, I think in the, in the next five years that we're going to largely have the market to ourselves. Um, the question in competition is much later in the decade um, from what we can see. Um, and so in the short term, we don't think of kind of what most people would call as our competitors. We see them more as partners. And so um, now, you know, Google announced that they were going to have a quantum computer in 2029. So, you know, a commercial quantum computer in 2029. Between now and then, they're our, they're our partner. And then we can reevaluate, and I'm sure they will too, you know, in 2029 as to what it means together. But in the short term, we're, we're partners. Yeah, you know, I, I love this slide. This is one that we put up, you know, when we had Niccolo on the program as well. People in the chat, too, commenting at how impressive those numbers really are. Uh, I mean, this slide really shows the, the future with IonQ. One last question from me here before I turn it over to uh, Mitch. We have a, a slide that shows kind of the cash position for IonQ. Now, obviously, you know, you said part of the process of going public was because, you know, that this isn't cheap by any means. So, uh, you know, the cash is expected to fund IonQ to break even in 2027, may also consider debt facilities to fund additional, uh, you know, platforms. Is this still the case, you know, that this deal can help uh, you know, with IonQ, is there any talks of having to, you know, raise additional capital down the road? Not, not at the, you know, not today. I mean, obviously, um, you know, we might we might do things if sales take off that you might have to go out and, you know, build more factories or those kinds of things. But in terms of the technical roadmap and, and hitting the financial projections, no, we're, we're pretty confident that this is the only money that we need to raise. All right, I'm going to go ahead and jump in here. Let's go ahead and let's start talking a little bit about valuation. Let's look at slide 42 here, um, if anybody's keeping along with us. All right, so one of the things that you can clearly see here, guys, is, is I mean, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll bring it up. I mean, I, I look for gross margins that are sometimes over 35%. And we're looking at gross margins here expected in 25 at 88%. So uh, how, how are you guys expected to get here, Peter? Um, well, you know, um, 
today to um, you know build a, a quantum computer costs us, and I think you know roughly 1.3 million to to build a single quantum computer, and you're charging thousands of dollars per hour, and so you know the the gross margins are pretty are pretty damn good, and you know today we're building them kind of onesie at a time, and when I start to put them into manufacturing, you know those costs are going to go down, and the usage is going to go up. So I think you know today we're we were doing modeling based on you know partial usage of every day, and in the future getting to a, a point where these things are just you know plugged in and running 24/7 seven days a week, billing time for it. So it's um you know it's a profitable business. It's not it's um this is not something like TVs or something where the margins are razor thin. Definitely. I mean, compared to, let's say, uh, some of the semi con uh, semi chips and uh, kind of you got AMD and NVIDIA here, 4766, and that's in 21. Well, I mean, 85. I mean, that's that's definitely kicking it. I don't even have to mention that. Um, but let's go ahead. Let's get into what I really love to do is talk about story. Right. And so I'm always talking about story here. Let's go to 45. Let's talk about how we could really use this for solar. And, and really, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it even states it in here. You know how solar is really inefficient right now. How can quantum come in here and make it efficient? Well, it's um. As I kind of mentioned at the beginning here, plants know how to convert energy in a way that we just today don't understand and we can't actually model. And so um, if we could get to 90 what we call algorithmic or useful qubits, um, you could actually reverse, we could actually model the chemical, um, you know, the, the chemical uh, reaction that's happening inside a plant and reverse engineer it. And then if we could do that, presumably, then we could build a much more efficient solar cell. And I so mean, what would it mean to have, you know, solar power, which is, you know, 4x, 5x better than what we have today? Um, you know, if, I think the, the number is like if we could capture a half a percent of the energy that falls on Earth, then, you know, we could power mankind kind of forever. So, but part of that story is we need to be able to build better you know, solar cells. This is just one example of, of many where we just don't understand how nature does it today, but with a quantum computer, we could reverse engineer it and then apply it into our industrial processes to make a better product. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I think about is just how you can, if you can do this with solar, I mean, we're always looking at ways that we can better use our materials and really get that renewable energy. I mean, we're always looking forward. I mean, green energy is definitely somewhere where we have to go into because, I mean, we only have so much fossil fuels. I think quantum definitely in the long run is going to come in here and play a major factor on how society keeps moving. Oh, I, I, I think in particular in climate change, there's probably just, you know, kind of top of mind, maybe 30 different ways you could use a quantum computer. They tell me that um, the energy grid doesn't have really good optimization software. So like half the energy we produce for electricity doesn't get consumed. And it's because we don't have a powerful enough quantum, uh, computer to be able to do the optimization problem. Quantum should be able to do that. Um, if you look at um, the single most polluting industry on the planet is uh, uh, fertilizer. It accounts for about 1% of all the emissions worldwide. It consumes about 3% of the world's natural gas in to produce fertilizer. Turns out little enzymes in soil know how to create the same fertilizer, but without any extra energy. Well, we need apparently about 111 algorithmic qubits to reverse engineer how those enzymes do it. So if we could understand how they do that without a lot of, of new energy, you could cut back climate emissions 1%. And, you know, what is the energy output? 3% of the world's natural gas. I don't know what that is, but it's, is that about the energy output of Kuwait or something? So the yeah. economic values for these things are, you know, just astronomical. Yeah, the use cases, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure people can even think of use cases right now in the chat 
let alone uh, if you go actually and look. One of the ones that really impressed me on the investor presentation was the logistics. You know, we, we always think about our UPS drivers as just, you know, our drivers making deliveries, but we don't know how complicated their routes really can be. I mean, stated here, it said that, you know, it, a classical computer would take longer than the age of the universe. And it said that, you know, for one driver, I mean, this would be about 66,000 different routes in one day. So, I, I mean, Peter, this drives me insane. I couldn't imagine trying to figure this out. I mean, yeah, we went from MapQuest to, to this. <laughs> well, this is one of those funny ones, too. We're just doing talking about here the optimization of one driver. But if we actually did the optimization for like an entire city of like New York, the number of possibilities that would be there would be, you know, I haven't done out the math, but I bet you it's like equal to the number of atoms in the universe. <laughs> and so, you know, if you're going to go at that with a classical computer, it's just not, you're not going to get to an answer. But clearly, if you're a logistics company trying to deliver, what is the optimal route? What should I, what should I give this driver, you know, and, and what's the route that he should take? Today, we do that with a whole bunch of, of kind of, hacks to try to get to at least some sort of good idea. You probably, we've all heard that some companies like, for instance, the algorithm only allows them to turn right at a, at a, a stop sign. They, they can't optimize <laughs> Only right it. turns. Only do right turns because the software, their classical software won't, can't, isn't powerful enough to consider a left turn, right? It's so, too much so, there, too much, Peter. Don't confuse us. I know. So this, this is the kinds of things quantum computers could be used for. So, Definitely, definitely. I, I'm super excited. I'm going to go ahead and bring Chris back on here. But definitely the use cases, I could go on and on. Um, we, we could talk even EV. I mean, EV is definitely just stepping in battery usage. Um, just that alone in, in the future, I think it's definitely going to be a, a use case. I, I'm sure you'll be getting some calls pretty soon, Peter, uh, about EV batteries and how you can help them. So it, it, it seems super exciting opportunity for me. Well, not, not only um, what can we do to, to create a new battery, which is one of these chemistry problems, but the other side is, is you know, these new flying cars. They're going to need not only, they need a new battery too, there's going to be a lot, you know, it's got to be lightweight. So, you know, how are we going to do the designs for those? You need a quantum computer. Yeah, awesome. You know, that that UPS slide, you know, Peter, you said it and Mitch, I know, you know, that you we were talking about that slide before this interview today. You know, that that is a great use case study on what quantum computing can do. Uh, Peter, we have some questions from the chat here. So, um, you know, you talked a little bit about the solar um, opportunity for the company. So a question here from TeachS saying, will they sell those solar cells? Um, any comment there? Um, I, you know, I, I don't think that we'll be in the solar business per se, but I do think that what we will be is the licensee of the patents for much of that technology. So um, I'm sure that will come from others, but I think that the company will also own quite a bit of the IP that gets generated with, with our computers. Perfect. And then a question from Stephen Connors saying, how about unlocking the secrets of aging? Uh, any uh, comment there? Is that something we can see mm. in the future with uh, IonQ? Yeah, I mean, um, the whole idea is be able to, to do simulations to understand how nature works, including obviously chemical interactions within the human body. And so um, if we had a big enough computer to be able to do that simulation, you could start to, you know, hopefully reverse engineer how aging works. So, um, you know, I'm personally at my age, I'm particularly interested in that one. So, so um, Peter, the, the fountain of youth. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's um, people believe um, that quantum computers can be used to find the cure for, for uh, cancer and Alzheimer's and many of those things. If you solve some of those problems with a quantum computer, in some sense, you're actually getting to the fountain of youth. Because, oh. you know, if what if we cured cancer, how much would that add to life extension? So it doesn't have to be as exotic as maybe as you think, which is, you know, some sort of magical elixir. If we just started ticking off all the things that kill us and started removing them, life extension will get longer and longer, right? So 
you know, I'll be happy if during the next, in the next, you know, 10, 20 years, we manage to, to find a cure for cancer. That will uh, do enough. I, so. I could only say, I mean, I wish we would have had you 10 years advanced from the moment where you are now and then have gone through the pandemic. I'm pretty sure you would have been there, Peter, trying to help us out. Oh, uh, without a doubt. We, it was a little frustrating. Just We're just a little early right now. Just a tad know? bit. Just a tad bit. Awesome. Uh, another question here from uh, Okasa saying, uh, can this be used for cybersecurity as well? How can quantum computing play into uh, cybersecurity? I'm sure there's many, many ways, Peter. What's the what's the goal here? Well, there's there's kind of two things. I'll give you both the positive and the negative, right? The, the negative is that um, uh, one of the known applications for quantum computers is breaking encryption. Matter of fact, we um, it, it was the early days where people figured out how to break RSA. So if you have a big enough quantum computer, you can break the encryption that you know is being used by, you know, by many industries, including the internet. Uh, we wrote a paper in the last year also how to break uh, elliptical curve cryptography, which is also the other you know kind of bedrock of quantum of uh, in encryption. So that's the bad news. The bad news is you can use a quantum computer to break these things. The good news is that you can also use a quantum computer to make it so that you can't break into these things. And so um, there's some interesting things about quantum that uh, when you entangle two qubits, they whatever you do to one qubit, the other qubit sees. And so you could start to think about how I would build a communications network that actually says, okay, it's just, you know, that's what we do over the internet. We send information from here to here. So, um, and the thing is, we don't know how that works. We don't know how those two qubits are actually entangled. And since we don't know how it works, there's no way to break it. So it's a very secure channel. So there's, it looks like that, you know, there's using quantum technologies for building a quantum internet is an interesting, you know, kind of place for the future. The thing uh, that I'll just mention is you need to have probably a quantum computer at either end to be able to build a quantum internet. So, you know, that's probably where IAQ enters into that story. Awesome. Thanks for sharing the good and the bad, Peter, and, you know, being fully transparent here on the show. Uh, a question from a couple people in the chat. I don't remember everyone's name, but a lot of people want to know, you know, when will the 32-qubit computer be available to cloud users for Microsoft, uh, Amazon, and Google? Um, we just put our first two customers onto the new system in June. And so um, we uh, we will look to you know put a schedule together for when we're gonna make it available on the cloud. Um, I think we, we're also looking at building more of those systems because the demand seems to be pretty high. So, um, we'll have to figure out kind of how quickly can we build more systems to be able to get them out on the cloud. Awesome. And then uh, another question here that I just thought of, because I'm pretty sure when Nicolo was on, he hinted at it. Uh, cryptocurrency, you know, crypto mining, obviously a, a big market right now. Uh, how can quantum computing play into crypto mining in the future? Um, well, the, the more obvious one is, is how do you break crypto with a quantum computer, right? Um, so that's a different, I guess that's a different kind of mining. But, um, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I haven't actually looked into what it would do to use a quantum computer to actually mine crypto. Um, that would be a great application. We haven't spent a lot of time thinking about that, to be honest. Awesome. Well, maybe Niccolo, uh, you know, spent more time on, on that area then, and maybe that's one of his uh, plans with IonQ in the future. <laughs> but yeah, I guess you'll have to talk to, to to Niccolo in that field. But, you know, Peter, we got so many positive comments in the chat, you know, talking about how, you know, this company could really help, you know, areas in the future. You know, I know I'm excited to follow this story. Um, you know, we look forward to following the story, you know, maybe having you back on or Niccolo back on in the future. You know, so for everyone out there, again, joining us on SPACs Attack today, Peter Chapman, the CEO of IonQ, that company going public via SPAC, DMY Technology Group 3, the ticker is DMYI. Peter, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and joining us on SPACs Attack today. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks, gentlemen.
Always, always a pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, I don't know about you guys, and 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 I and I and I heard a comment in the chat that 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 that's, that seemed a little bit information, like like we were like being supported by Peter to give him such a good interview. No, the, the truth is, guys, is that when I think about quantum computing, I get even my mind away from stocks. I don't even think about it like a stock. I start thinking about the story itself, the technology and where it can go. That's where my mind goes. And then I have to start bringing it back and being like, okay, let's let's go back and think about the stock itself. Then we can look at the price. And this is why I always say that there's three variables to my game. It's technicals, fundamentals, and story. For right now, the story through the roof. I mean, I, I will just I will clearly say it. Now, from that moment, we got to go ahead and start looking at the fundamentals and the technicals to then start thinking about the stock itself. Yeah, and you know, that's the key here, Mitch. You know, as bullish as I am on the future of this company, quantum computing, there is still the fact that they're a couple years away from, you know, meaningful revenue, meaningful, you know, use cases. But I, I really think, you know, it's a chess game, right? They're putting all those pieces, they've got Microsoft, Amazon, and Google now all partnered. They've got investments from these large companies. I, I mean, I, I agree completely with what you said, Mitch. You know, if you look at this company aside from stocks, I mean, the fountain of youth talk, right? The talk of cancer. I mean, I, I think it goes without saying, you know, myself, you, Mitch, all our viewers have lost a loved one to cancer. Uh, many of us lost loved ones during the COVID pandemic. I mean, how could a company like this help the future of preventing, you know, horrible things like that from happening? When you think about that, again, as Mitch said, you, 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 you go away from the stock. You think as a person, I mean, as a person, what can a company like this do for the future? And then you can look at the stock story. I mean, I'm more excited about this company as, as a human right? And what it can do for the future. So if this read like an infomercial, that, that's why. It's because, you know, this technology is just so exciting. And that's not to say that, you know, the stock is going to moon, you know, today, tomorrow, or over the next year. This is just talking about the future of quantum computing. I, I mean, Mitch, I, I'm excited in what this technology can truly accomplish. Yeah. And I mean, and when some people try to think about it, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta look at it. Like I, I hear some comments in the chat, like when will this really start coming into play? And I think that's something to definitely keep in watch. Right. And so one of the things that you need to see is things like that, like the partnership you just saw recently with the cloud and, and seeing the use cases actually turn into uses. Right. And so watch for that. Just look, continue to watch that and watch the company progress. Um, one of the things that does get to me is also on the investor presentation is how we've gotten smaller and smaller as we keep going by. And, and I think that's what's also needed. Right. I mean, you can't take out a whole room to have a quantum computer at your house. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's that's feasible here. I mean, isn't that how it was years ago when the first yeah, computer when the first computer was ever made? It was massive. Right. It took yeah. up the size of room. Look at cell phones. I mean, how big were cell phones when they first came out? Right. That big block phone. Um, you know, so I think you're right, Mitch, that the size there, it, you know, bringing that technology down will truly help scale you know, in the future. But uh, hopefully everyone enjoyed this interview. I know a lot of people in the chat, you know, had positive comments. Thank you guys. And again, if there's a company you want to see on SPACs attack, please let us know. Mitch, let's turn to the watch list. Um, you know, yeah, so there's DMYI, you know, trading right around 994. You know, this is one that really had a nice move up on the deal announcement, but but since then has really just traded pretty flat right around the $10 mark, right? It's gone a little above, a little below, um, you know, so that's an interesting thing here to keep an eye out on DMYI heading into the, the merger vote. What do you think? Sorry about that. I don't know why I knocked myself off the screen there, but um, DMY technology here, one of the things that I'm going to try to do do with this one is these are the type of SPACs that I've tried to take out certain baskets, right? In certain baskets, you'll have your hype stocks, certain baskets, you have your like revenue makers that are kind of just not this, I would say the sexy stocks. Then you have 
the future potential stocks that I think that can have revenue, but they're kind of more in that pre-revenue stage that I think the growth is there, the story's there. That's kind of where I'm going to go ahead and put this one. I'm going to I'm going to think the story's there, the growth is there. I mean, you saw those margins. I I, I talk about 35%, 88%. I mean, that that I mean, if you if you know anything about finance, 88%, you're making margins of 88%. I mean, you're talking confectionery, you're talking candy like <laughs> candy like gross margins there. So, uh yeah, let, let's just say it's it's on the top. And now the 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 next thing will be the technicals. When do we get a good technical breakout? When do we get a good partnership? When do we look for the DSPAC? That's what I'll be looking for, guys, and and we'll be paying attention towards that. Yeah, I mean, you heard him talk about analysts being excited about this company too, right? And they had some big names in on the pipe investment. So I think maybe they get some analyst coverage right away um, with the DSPAC process. Um, You know, so that's something to watch too. Um, You know, so we can pay attention to that, you know, and also as they announce news, right? So they got that Google deal. You know, you heard him say they, um, you know, had those first two computers for their customers. When will we see more computers? Could that be enough to, to move the stock, you know, in the future? Um, you know, so that's something to, to pay attention to, um, you know, with DMYI too. And also, Mitch, we haven't gotten a merger vote date, right? That, that could be a catalyst. Um, you know, this could be announced. This could end up being a August or September close date you know, kind of based on when it was announced. So, you know, we could be talking about this one again real soon on a uh, calendar. Yeah, 100%. Uh, mentioned in the chat, it is future margin, 100%. I mean, that's what we're looking forward towards. Uh, let's go ahead and let's take a look at how the CCIV Dragon is doing here uh, in the chop session today. Definitely a l- getting a little choppy if we know what I'm talking about. And what did I say? Guys, look out. Look out for that 1130 turnaround, right? There's a meeting there. There's a reason why I brought it up, guys. Look, 11.30, it starts ticking up. There's a reason for that, guys. Like always, you got to stick with the news flow. Stick with the news flow. It's so important, right, Chris? Yeah, and I mean, I I think CCIV is going to get approved, right? Like, I don't think there's any concern that this deal doesn't go through and you're not going to have people redeeming shares for net asset value. The biggest thing here is... You know, there there's so many shareholders, they need to get people to vote. This is another good reminder that if you own shares of a SPAC, do your part, please vote for the merger. Um, you know, that's part of the process. Many of these have certain percents they have to hit. And if they don't hit them, you risk the deal, you know, being delayed or not going through, which in turn can negatively affect the stock price. So, you know, just keep that in mind, uh, you know, with CCIV uh, moving forward. Hey, let's go ahead and let's get into another one here. Let's take a look at uh, one that was moving pretty pretty uh, significantly yesterday. And let's take a look at it today, Avpoint. Um, and, and what are we getting on Avpoint? I mean... Man, this was one that went back to $10, Chris. What were we thinking? <laughs> yeah, this was one, you know, when TJ was on the show, I think it was uh, uh, between 10 and 11. I'll have to go back and look. And, and what did TJ say on the show? He said that they were going to get analyst coverage soon. So, Mitch, the thing I want to point out is not only is Avpoint getting positive analyst coverage on their own, but their their big partner, right, Microsoft? Microsoft is getting lots of positive analyst coverage now. Mm -hmm. And those analysts, what are they highlighting about Microsoft? They're highlighting the cloud, right? That's where where Microsoft's growth is. How does Avpoint play in? They partner with the cloud, with Microsoft. They help small and medium-sized businesses, you know, accomplish what they want with the cloud, you know, through that Microsoft partnership. So I think Avpoint, you, you got the double here, right? You got Avpoint getting the positive mention, and then you got Microsoft getting the positive mention. So I think it's worth paying attention to that. And that could translate into, you know, strong earnings from Avpoint in the future. Definitely. We're going to keep an eye on on this one. I think in the long run, it's like you said it, Chris, cloud, 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 just like I think about uh, programmatic advertisement. It's the same thing. It's new game new game there's no point in not being on the cloud if you're if you're not on the cloud what you do is you just put yourself more susceptible to uh kind of security risk more susceptibles to losing data 
Uh, and I can tell you right now, as a person that's lost some data before, you don't want to be that person in your office that says, I lost some data. So, Wait, uh, when, did, when did that happen? I don't remember that. Oh, you don't remember happening. that no, time? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You don't remember we, that time? We all, we all remember when you when you lost the video. What a what an uh, exciting day that was here. Let's at, just say if I didn't have the cloud, I wouldn't be here today. Yeah, that's probably true. I'd be talking to myself right now or to another person. So, but luckily, uh, luckily because of the cloud, I, I got Mitch here on my show with me. At so least. we're we're happy. Uh, Mitch, what about body? B O D Y. I know that's one you called out a couple of days want ago. Your body. You know, we've been talking <laughs> about this one for for months, and this one it, it went down below ten, right, as part of the D SPAC, and now it's starting to get some momentum again today. Um, you know, and again, you called this out a couple of days ago. I think when it first started turning green, there. Um, what do you think of body? I mean, I know I hear people talking about shorts getting burned. I don't know what the short percent is in this. I, I think it could be more about the story, right? And maybe with the COVID pandemic, we're seeing the the shift to at home workouts again, and, and maybe that mixed bike. I mean, I know Peloton's been getting some positive mention. That mixed fitness bike could as well. Yeah, I, I keep an eye on Peloton because I feel like this move really started with the the sympathy that you started seeing coming from Peloton starting to move on up. And I think really people are starting to finally compare these two companies and, and looking at it and saying, is, is you know, can Beachbody create that competition to Peloton? Right. Peloton changed their mentality really in the pandemic. They 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 went away from just being a bike and tried to create the mentality that trainers can now just be at your home. Right. And then that's the mentality that's changed. Beach body doing the same body. Right. Um, pulling that look to where the trainer is essentially like kind of like a live action show right there in your home. And you no longer have to go to the gym to get that trainer. That's where the mentality changed. The question is, does that mentality stay? Because I do see some people going back to the gym. I myself has gone back to a, a Planet Fitness. But I, I think with this being said, you need to see these kind of people, right? The, it, it's a certain type of person that does consistent workouts, right? And so I think you need to start looking around and seeing the society. How are we approaching this? Are we going to be the type of people that just kind of slightly start going away from gyms and we take that personal training experience from home? Or is it just kind of more the pandemic time that's really moving this? Those are the questions you need to ask yourself. I don't always got the answers. I can tell you what my answer is right now. But I mean, it's, 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 it's a guess, right? It's an opinion at this point. And, and so I think in the long run, you do see body up just because, I mean, one thing, I, I love the ticker. You guys know how I love my body. But um, but definitely, we'll see how this one keeps moving. You know, it, it could be meme-like. It could get moving. But the one thing that always interests me is subscribers, 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 because that shows up at the bottom line. Mitch, did you see the news the other day that Peloton partnered with uh, United Healthcare? So United Healthcare, one of the largest health insurance companies in the U.S., they're going to offer 12-month subscription to Peloton for its members. What about that? When we had Carl on, right? Um, you know, Carl, body, Carl. <laughs> but not that Carl, not Carl with the K in the chat, <laughs> Carl with the C, uh, you know, M Mr. Beachbody himself. Mm -hmm. He talked about, you know, doing one price, right? Uh, a monthly subscription where you would get access, you know, to the bike, the workout videos, the P90X, the Beachbody workouts, the supplement and nutrition business. What if maybe Beachbody was able to partner with an insurance, uh, you know, provider to offer that to their subscribers? Is that something maybe we could see as a future growth item here as well? Yeah, I mean, there's so much there. I mean, when you when you think about it, I, I really like the move in trying to diversify when you're in the gym game, right? One of the things that Beachbody diversifies with is also mis mixing with nutrition side and, and, and the supplement side and where the margins are at. Let's see. So let's talk about those supplements. But uh, it's just like candy, man. <laughs> uh, it, it gets going. But really, I, I just want to see these companies and, and for Peloton, the same be in all different areas because that's what's going to, I think, can continue moving. Because one thing that I always noticed about working out is that 
we change in our in our outlook, right? There was a time where you could think of CrossFit and it would be a negative look. Some people were tell, had a really negative look towards CrossFit because what it does is that, I, mean, I don't want to go into it, but you're either aerobic or anaerobic and, and you start battling that. And, and it's, it's kind of one of the things is understanding the chemistry of the human and, and that kind of thing. But what it comes down to is that we adapt and we change, we innovate. So I think as long as they keep innovating, bringing some new things to the table, um, you heard body, then the, the my fitness, uh, I think things like this will continue making these companies move up. Peloton, body, I think it's a new world and, and we definitely are taking care of our bodies. Yeah, definitely. Well, guys, I think that's going to do it. Our SPACs attack today. Again, another exclusive interview on here. You know, DMYI, IonQ, exciting uh, quantum computing industry that they are in. Mitch, I, I know I'm looking forward to tomorrow. We've got a Friday show. Our Friday shows tend to be a little bit more casual, right? I think maybe we, we've got some merchandise to give away what, still what? from, from Hylion. I know people have been waiting for that. We, we've got it. We're, we're ready to go, so join us tomorrow. We've got some merch to give away. Also, I think we should probably do some uh, ticker time tomorrow, Mitch, to reward our loyal viewers on a Friday. What do you think? Hey, like always, guys, we're going to be uh, rewarding you guys like we always do. Stick around. Hang out. We'll, we'll have some good stuff for you guys tomorrow. I think we're going to have more of a conversational day. Maybe Chris and I go into some SPAC war. Who knows? Ooh. Give us, some, give us some ideas. Who would you like to see battle each other? What kind of battle would you like to see? You know, maybe it's uh, uh, companies like, let's say, RSI, GNOG. Let's try to get them similar. But if you guys got a battle in mind, put it in the comments after the show. That will definitely help us. Smash that like button. We'll see you guys next time on the SPACs Attack. Tired of getting left behind on winning trades? Join Benzinga's free masterclass on July 24th to learn how to spot breakout trades before they skyrocket. Featuring live interactive lessons on how to trade meme stocks, read charts, identify trends, and so much more. To register for free, go to events.benzinga.com. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com.